Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for this evening that you've given us, Lord God to praise and worship you. We thank you for the songs that you have blessed us with, Lord. I pray that it prepared our hearts, Lord, to meet you in this message. Father, as you use me again to speak to your people, Lord God, I pray for the Holy Spirit in all of us, Lord, to give us a clarity of whatever it is that you are truly telling us. And Lord, I pray for boldness and I pray for wisdom, Lord. Don't let me say anything that's not true. And Lord, override my preparations, Lord. Let you and you alone speak tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Good evening. Again, we are now we're going back to our um, journey on 2 Corinthians. Um, let me just move it a little bit there. I heard that uh, when we go back to our, our journey, which is the 2 Corinthians, the ratings kind of go down. <laughs> they want something new. This is old. <laughs> no, but... This is the book that God has chosen for us to, to expose. All right, we're, we're studying it. So hopefully tonight, as we go through chapters... Uh, is, this, is this ready? Okay. I titled our message, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. We're going to be studying, reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7 to 17. You've heard of this uh, phrase, right? This is an English idiom. Don't judge a book by its cover. It's a metaphorical phrase, which means you shouldn't prejudge the worth or a value of something or someone by its outward appearance. <laughs> this, is, this we do all day long if we don't watch it. We end up wa- judging people if we don't watch it, right, or certain things. Um, let's put that to test. If I tell you of a per- this person, he's in front of you, right, this person comes in front of you, he's wearing a suit, and he has a, a bachelor's degree from uni- the University of Berkeley from business, for business. He has a bachelor's degree. Uh, what do you think automatically? You're thinking, oh, he knows, he knows his business. He's smart. He's dressed well. He's probably a nice guy. All right. And then, and then he tells you, I have, he also has a master's degree from Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, one of the best business schools in the country. And then all the more you're going to say, man, I really want to learn from this guy. I'm pretty sure he has a lot to tell me and to teach me. All right? You're going to say, I love him. I hope he's a Christian. <laughs> you're thinking that, right? And then you're probably thinking he, has, he makes good money. He probably makes good money. He's, you know, he probably helps his family, correct? He's probably generous. I would be thinking that because he has a lot of money. Have you heard of the name Michael Milken? Yeah? Good. He's a philanthropist. Well, he used to be, I think, or he still is. But he is a former felon. He was involved in um, insider trading. 
and the cr criteria that I told you earlier, those are all his. Those are all his credentials. Yeah, if, if you see pictures of him, he's always wearing a suit. And he was involved in one of the biggest scandals the country has ever seen. He amassed so much money from that thing that he did. But as he was doing that, he was also a philanthropist. But people didn't know. See, we can easily judge that. I know some of us has probably locked our doors with a certain individual passes our car in the middle of the night. Right? Somebody that's looking like a gangster and looking like somebody who's probably going to mug you, automatically you look for the lock button. Is this locked? Right? Right? It's, there's always judgment that happens in our minds. I'm pretty sure there's profiling that we do. You just don't know it. Right? Our brother Chris is in the security business probably very good in doing that. <laughs> he probably has a textbook of it. And, you know, I'm not going to say that any of that is, is incorrect, but it's not all the time correct. Right? And not because a book, it, book's cover isn't nice, or is not attracting you, it means it has nothing good to tell you, correct? Or the story behind it is nice. So it's the same thing with our faith. It's the same thing with our Christian life. You see a person, and if whatever biases you may have, is it, okay. If whatever biases you may have, you will have it, whether you like it or not. Right, let's, let's jump into the, the verse. It's, the first point is eyes can be deceiving. In 2 Corinthians 10, 7 to 8, if you can turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, this is a, in the New Living Translation. So whatever version you may have, if this is confusing, you just go back to your version that you prefer. You are judging by appearances, Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ Jesus as much as they do. Paul speaking about him and his team. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave, for, gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. There has been, I know we've been speaking about this, hopefully you can track with me, that the false prophets that had infiltrated the Corinthian church have been doing in all their power to discredit Paul and to make Paul as the false prophet, not themselves. And they went in there with credentials, credentials that the Sanhedrin came up with for them to trick people. But the problem with the Corinthian church is, and it's also the problem of, for some of us, is that we're shallow we're so shallow in appearances. When I told you about those degrees, the bachelor's degree, the master's degree, and the appearance of a person, automatically, this person will earn your trust. If he drives in with your Range Rover, with the Range Rover in front of your house, and he tells you, I know how you can get that car too, so invest your money with me. You're probably going to say, man, he looks like he knows what he's doing. But if somebody with a beat-up car, right, in shorts, wearing shorts and a white shirt, he looked like he just got out of bed, and he tells you, hey, you know what? 
I know how to help you with your money. <laughs> Who do you think you're going to invest with? Probably the guy that pulled in with the Range Rover because he, has, he met everything that your eyes wanted to see. Correct? It's the same thing with our Christian faith. You would probably join the church, for some of us, you would probably join the church where the appearance of the church fits you. Right? Oh, they're too pretty there. I don't want to be there. They're not pretty there. I don't want to be there. They don't play the songs that I like there. I don't want to be there. There are too many of them. There are too little of them. They're too light. They're too dark. There's always something based on our preferences because our eyes respond to it. We profile. We have biases. We judge a book by its cover. We judge a church by its cover. We judge pastors by their cover. <laughs> so I'm not going to be trying to justify me not having the credentials because those are good. Those are good to have. The study behind the, the you know, if you have a bachelor's degree in, in um, whatever it is, theology, <laughs> it's good to have because it's good to study. The discipline to have, to have that discipline is great. But for somebody to, to just say, I'll go to your church or I'll start listening to you if you have the proper degree, I think it's wrong automatically. Their eyes are incorrect, correct? If their background doesn't seem fitting, oh, their background, you know that Joe? Do you know his past? You shouldn't listen to that guy. I know him. He's so this, this, and that. And you know what? Let me give you a few examples of that. If, if, if we are to respond to the appearance of a person or the background of their, or the rap sheet, you think you would have been listening to the, read the book. You've read the book of uh, the story of David, right? There is a, there's a guy who committed murder, right? He committed murder. He had, he, he had an affair with somebody who was married, Got the girl pregnant, and then he, he didn't want any of it. He didn't want, so he said, hey, you know, let's call your husband, and let's pretend he did this. Right? How about Rahab, the prostitute? Right? How about the, the disciples? The ragtag team of the disciples. No education whatsoever, but those were the people that God used to change the world. Amen? Up to now, up to now. So Paul is talking to them, and it's because the problem with the Corinthian church is they're still shallow. They accepted Christ, but they're still not smart. They still like credentials. They still like accolades that the world gives. I pray that us believers, we look at God's working first. Amen? Okay, just a few. That's okay. There's a few of us that said amen to it. Let's look at what God wants for us first. Not our own prejudices, not our own preferences. Let's look at God's will. That should be our first question. Is this where God wants me to be? Is this the church that God wants to be? It's not because Joe's saying the right things or Joe just always, always says the wrong thing. Right? Let's, let's find out if this is this what is this the place that God wants me to be? If you've been coming to this church many times already, I'm pretty sure I, I, I didn't say the right things all the time for you. If I am, please let me know so I can start saying the wrong things the next time. <laughs> no, because I remember from my, 
from, the, from our pastor, our founding pastor, Pastor Julius, he said, if people say, if they get mad because of the message, I praise God, he says. Because that means he didn't please people. Right? But at the same time, the word of God is a double-edged sword. It either heals or it kills. Correct? either heals you, just like the knife when you're operating on your heart, if you're going to get a heart transplant or, or something with your heart and you're going to do a, a bypass. That knife that cuts your, your skin is healing you. It's cutting you to heal you so that they can get in there and start working. But a knife with a guy from 7-Eleven at night and needs a $20 for his fix stabs you. That's to kill you. But again, we're going back to the appearances. Eyes can be deceiving is my first point here. And the next point here is, I am not trying to frighten you by my letters. For some say Paul's letters are demanding and forceful. But in, per- but in person, he is weak. And his speeches are worthless. Because you see, Paul wasn't a great preacher. So if you're looking for somebody who's a great preacher to move you to the next level for your faith, just look at Paul. If that is really your preference, then I don't blame you. Sometimes you really just want to be entertained. We want somebody to make sense, right? We want whatever is written here to make sense to us. We want that person to tell us properly what we're seeing and what we're seeing. But at the same time, if you're looking for entertainment, then just watch the late night shows. Correct? Just turn on your TV. Because here, we're, we're supposed to talk about God here. If you're just looking about the right things, you want to hear the right things here to to please your ear, then just just talk to a friend. right? Because if if I'm sick, if I feel like I'm sick and I'm going to go see the doctor, I don't want the doctor to tell me what I want to hear. I want the doctor to tell me if there is something wrong with me physically. I want to know why my knee is always hurting and I'm not even playing anymore. I'm not even doing anything. I want to hear the truth. Or something worse, like, Joe, you have cancer. And you have five months to live. I was talking to a friend earlier, and I, and I said, why is it okay for us to hear that from a doctor? Right? But why is it not okay if we start talking about God to a friend of ours? Why is it not okay when it comes to the biblical truth, and if all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, 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 we're not touching that. But please, you, you leave that out here. We talk about sports. We can disagree. We talk about making money. But don't tell me about your faith. And we're careful, too, when it comes to that. We're like, oh, okay, never mind. I don't want to say it. I don't want to lose you as my friend. Right? No, but then if you go back to the other verse where it says here, so when Paul said, I build you up. He says, I build you up, building you up rather than tearing you down. Paul's number one concern with the Corinthian church is to always build them up in the faith. Now, if his letters have been harsh and they were taking it the wrong way, he's reminding them, hey, this is to build you up. It's the same thing with us. When we deliver the message here from God is to help you come up, be better with your faith. We're just not trying to entertain you. We're not trying to entertain you. The media that we're doing here is to help you because the studies show that the the people that are falling asleep, if you're falling asleep right now, I'm pretty sure you're pretty good in watching TV. You like your shows. 
Do you know why? The studies show that Hollywood has found out that every person only has a good five-second uh, attention span. That everything needs to change every five seconds. It's like if you're watching, if you, if you go home, once you go home tonight, not right now on your phone, but go as you go home tonight, you watch your show, and you'll see every scene changes in fi every five seconds. You count. And when I heard it, I started watching and I started counting. Five seconds here, five seconds there, five seconds here, five seconds there. Because we get engaged in something new. We're like, oh, that's new. Oh, that's new. And I'm here talking to you for an hour. You're like, gosh. There is a joke here. There is a joke. And I shared this last time. The joke is the, the pastor, pastor was dragging this message just like I do. He was dragging this message an hour and 30 minutes already. And people were falling asleep. And, and he had a board. The pastor had a board. So he has his marker, you know. And then he saw this guy sleeping. There's like, he's he, probably the eighth guy that was sleeping. So he had enough of it. The guy goes, you know what? Enough of this. He took the marker, threw it at the guy that was sleeping. <laughs> he threw it. He hit the guy. The guy wakes up. He goes, hit me again. I'm, I can still hear him. <laughs> I guess I screwed it up. Hit me again. I think. <laughs> Now, going back to our topic. No, but <laughs> those people should realize. Now, he's talking again about his, so he's not a good preacher. He wasn't a good preacher because he also had somebody fall asleep and die, correct? If you read in the book of Acts, somebody fell as, as Paul was speaking. He, the guy fell, so I'm glad there, we have no second story here. The guy fell and he died and he prayed for me. We came alive again. So Paul recognizes this. And his competition, or so, you know, somewhat competition of false prophets, were good preachers. They were good. They were perform well, good performers. They were trained for it. They were professionally trained. They knew how to en engage the audience, unlike Paul. And Paul recognizes this. But at the same time, Paul says, these people should realize that our actions when we arrive in person will be as forceful as what we say in our letters from far away. Because they are accusing Paul, saying, whatever he's saying here on his letters, he's not going to do. He's all bark but no bite. But Paul is telling him, hey, when I get there, whatever I have said, we will do. It's like when they expelled this, this brother, correct? That was engaged in a, in a very disgusting relationship. He got into a relationship with his father's uh, wife. It was like his stepmom. And then they were still going to church together. They were basically showing everybody like, hey, listen, look, I have my dad's wife. That's disgusting just thinking about it, right? But Paul dismissed that person. So everything that Paul said in regards to discipline, Paul exercised it. So these guys were misinforming the church again. It's the same thing here. Whatever we say here, we have to follow through. In your life too, whatever you say, just like telling people that you're a believer, you have to live it too. You have to live by the name that Christ, that you care, which is Jesus Christ's name. We can't just be full of talk and no action. Amen? Amen. Now let's see how the eyes can be deceiving in the Old Testament. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. 
But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his, his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is when Samuel was told by God, Hey, I'm, gonna, I'm rejecting Saul. Saul screwed up, right? He didn't obey what I told him to do. So now you need to find a new king. Go to, to Jesse's house. But then Samuel saw this guy. Looked very kingly. Let's see why. Let's see why he looked. Why Samuel jumped into that conclusion right away. And then here. This is talk about Saul. Then they ran and got him from there. Speaking about Saul when he was hiding in the barn. When he stood among the people, he stood a head taller than anyone else. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the one the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the entire population. And all the people shouted, long live the king. You know that your prejudices started from somewhere. The reason why you're scared of a certain individual, because that Somebody that looks like him or looks like her hurt you from the past. The reason why you trust a certain person the way they look because somebody earned your trust that look the same way. Or maybe it's just Hollywood that you're listening to because all your diet is Facebook, Instagram, Netflix, Hulu, and all that stuff. And Hollywood just keeps feeding you what the right thing is. This is the right person to listen to. This is how you should live your life. This is what happiness is. All these things are programming you. So what is programming you? What are you constantly reading? What are you constantly watching? What are you constantly listening to? To whom are you giving your 86,400 seconds a day? Mostly. How are you spending that? We've discussed it before, right? That the most ex expensive commodity is time. Correct? And every day, it's 86,400 seconds. 86,400 seconds. To whom are you spending that to? How are you spending that? Hopefully, you're spending it well. So here, that's why the Lord told him, don't think it's him because he looks like Saul. He had the same height. He looked very kingly. He was probably handsome, right? So there's the profile. He, he matches the profile. But our eyes are biased to what we have been used to or prefer. For me, I've experienced this. I've experienced the, the being judged by my appearance. If I may be honest, I don't fit the bill of a pastor that a lot of people are used to. I don't have as much of a gray hair that uh, you are probably used to. I don't have the background that you probably would prefer. Oh, thanks, Don. Hey. <laughs> God bless you. That's what Pastor Jews always said. So it's, I don't have the degree. I don't have the, the, the my past is so tainted that it's so easy, I'm easily judged that 
this is probably going to be 30 days for him. Right? Even, even up to now, even up to now, it's, it's those things that I, I, that I go through. But it's just, at the same time, I know that it's not me. There's nothing that I could do to change that person's mind. Correct? I, my, my age has been in question. My experience was in question. My past was in question. But at the same time, it says there, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I pray that everyone here will not be deceived by somebody that looks the part for you because they fit the bill that you want. I pray that you will be led by the Holy Spirit. Always be led by the Holy Spirit. Whether we're talking about the Word of God as we study it, let you be led by the Holy Spirit, not the appearance of the speaker. Ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Because it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the truth. Amen? Anybody else, anybody else can deceive you, but God will not. So be careful in judging by appearance. Amen? Let's give you some stats. I'm going to go with church appearance. Okay? Some people think that they are more godly or they are more spiritual if they are part of a megachurch. Right? We must know what we're doing because there's five services. And there's 500 of us every service. We're bursting off the seams here. We're, we're more spiritual. And now I'm not saying megachurches are not spiritual. But what I'm saying is if a person base if a person will base their decision on what they're saying with the numbers of their church, they're wrong. Correct? Okay. If, it, if you're not agreeing, let it sink in. <laughs> At the same time, with that statement, the people that are in small churches will say, we're more spiritual because we're more intimate. There's a one-to-one thing with my pastor. I get to talk to him. He gets to see me when I need him. We're more spiritual compared to the mega churches. That too is incorrect. Why? Because a small church could not be growing because the people there treat it as a country club. Have we seen churches that are country clubs? I have. Yeah, I visited the church somewhere last year and I felt like I disturbed their shake hands part. You know? You know, we, they, did, they do the same thing. I went to a Baptist church, too. And they said, oh, you know, all right, say hello to everybody, shake somebody's hand, welcome them. Here comes a Filipino guy with jeans on. <laughs> and I'm like, hello. They're like, who the? They gave me the look, like, who are you? It's okay. They, that look is, who are you, is okay. But then, like, the bothered, you're bothering me here. I'm talking to my brother here. It wasn't welcoming. So I could say the same thing for small churches. Small churches doesn't necessarily mean you are more intimate with the Lord. Being a part of a small church doesn't necessarily guarantee your growth in the faith. Amen? Don't base it on appearance. Don't base it on appearance. But did you know that there are more small churches in the country? There are 
There's 46% of the churches that are 100 or fewer members all over the country. And there is only one in 11, that is 9%, that attends a church with between 500 to 999 attendees. There's few more that goes to mega churches. If you speak to the NAM organization, the National American Mission Board, they would prefer that there would be more small, small churches because there's, it's more manageable for the pastor and everyone else to be more intimate. That's true. But then I was questioned. Well, I was questioned twice, directly and indirectly. When I started looking for members, when I started saying, hey, our numbers are declining. There's something wrong. We need to go on prayer. It was questioned. That, that notion, that move was questioned. Because all of a sudden, it, it, it seemed like I was worried about numbers. Look, if I don't recognize that you're not here with this small number, I shouldn't be up here. Do you agree? This is such a small room, such a small number for me not to recognize who's not here every Sunday. And if I don't care that you're not here every Sunday to get your spiritual feeding, then I shouldn't be up here. Do we agree? I'm not worried. I'm not thinking about making our church a mega church. I'm not worried about numbers. I'm not really worried about numbers. I'm worried about one, which is you, all the time. Your growth. My growth and your growth. But if you're not here, how are you growing? So I say, hey, people are not here. Let's pray. Because why? Because we need God's help. Because I can't convince people to come to church. I can't convince people to move in the faith. It has to be the Holy Spirit. It has to be the Holy Spirit to move in that person, to be here every Sunday. Do we agree? Amen. So now, don't be deceived by the appearances, even with church appearances. People think, oh, the media in that church is so awesome. The singing in that church is so awesome. That could be wrong, too, if you're going to make that decision of being a part of that church because of what you see. Because of what you see, because of your preferences, should be God's will. Because God looks into the heart. God looks into the heart. So what do we need to do? We need to ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to be a part of? Let's move on. Kind of intense here. All right, second point, self-confidence versus God-confidence. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. The false prophets were comparing themselves with each other. They're saying, look, listen, you should listen to us because we have this, this, and that. And they have this, this, and that. They have their own credentials and they're basing everything by their own preferences. Not by God's standards. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. We will boast only about what God, what, about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us. Paul here is saying, hey, you guys are my responsibility. That's what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church. You are my responsibility. These 
false prophets have stepped into, they're out of their boundaries. You're my responsibility. They're not responsible for you. That's what Paul is saying there. And that's why, guys, we need, if you are not part of a church yet, you need to be a part of a church. Because you need to be accountable to a body. And the body needs to be accountable to you. There is no Lone Ranger Christian, as much as that show was so entertaining for me. I thought all Americans were Lone Rangers. <laughs> Always trying to save the day, you know. There is no Lone Ranger Christians. We need to be a part of a body in order for us to grow. We need to be plugged in. And here in this body, it's just not enough. You need to be a part of a small group. You need to be a part of a Bible study. You need to be part of another way for you to be fed during the week. Because if you're just going to stay here on a Sunday, on a bad Sunday, you're here for an hour and a half when I'm preaching. That's a bad Sunday. On a good Sunday, it's 30 minutes, right? But that's not going to be enough. As you tackle the whole week with all this information, all this garbage that you consume through the social media, through the movies, through your work, just sit in your break room. We all have those coworkers with full negative energy, right? I'm like, oh, man, I'm not going to take a break. She's there. <laughs> I hope that's not you that they're trying to avoid, right? But that's all you need, right? That's all you need is somebody just to vomit their bad energy towards you. And, and then what? You wait for Sunday? Because especially for some of us, you're not, you're not prayerful. You're not doing your, your quiet time. How can you grow in the faith? That's why you need to be a part of a church. And then within that church, you need to be a part of a group. That's why we, we offer it. It's there. there. It's there. It's just, you just need to take advantage of it. So Paul says here, they're stepping into my boundary. You guys are mine. You need to understand this. So that's where we need to understand that being a part of this church, that's why we look for you. When you're not here, I hope you're not offended. When you come the next Sunday and we're like, hey, where were you? We missed you. Because this is such a small place for you to hide, correct? <laughs> we know if you're not here. We know if you're not here. But because we know, we come to prayer first. Hopefully everything's okay with you. Right? We come to prayer and then we pray. Uh, the prayer meetings, we, we now have a list. Before I shied away from putting the names of those who weren't here, because I feel like I don't want to be judging those people that are not here. Because there's a trap there that when you see a certain person, oh, well, he's been gone for five weeks, huh? Hmm. You know, but you know what? We started doing that because now at least we know who we need to pray for. And at the, at the same time, we can, you can help out in reaching out to those people and saying, hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? We haven't seen you. So those are the boundaries of a church. And this is what Paul was talking about here too. Going back to Saul, going back to Samuel. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. What Paul was saying earlier was he takes confidence in the Lord, right? Now here, this is when David wanted to fight Goliath, okay? We all know the story of David and Goliath, right? You don't need to be a Sunday school graduate. You just need to know that everybody was talking about it. Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword, 
over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And then David said, I cannot go in these, said to Saul. David said, I will fight Goliath. Forty days, nobody was, everybody was scared. All the trained soldiers, including Saul, did not want to fight Goliath. They were all scared. They saw the height. They saw the appearance of Goliath. And they're like, there's no way I'm going to fight him. But here's this little kid, this teenager guy, said, I'll fight him. Because the Lord will give me him. But you know what we do? You know what we do when, when, when God, we already know that God wants us to do it. But then we let the world give us everything else. We then, we then again say, oh, God's telling me to do this. Right? God's telling me to do this. So I'm going to do everything. Then you're going to put it back to your responsibility. That's what Saul said here. Saul said, go and the Lord be with you. But then he gives him his armor. Go, the Lord be with you, but then wear these. And David couldn't even move. What David really only needed was the Lord, right? We all know how the story ended. He didn't need these things. It's the same with our salvation. For those of us who have not accepted Christ as our Lord, we think we can bring ourselves to heaven by what we can bring to the table. We think it's because of, oh, you know, it's just a matter of how many thousands to bring me to heaven. Oh, it's just how many times I can help people. They think they can bring themselves to heaven because of their good works. But the truth is it's not. God has already paid for it. That's why the cross here is empty, because our Jesus has resurrected. He did die there for the sins, your sins and mine, but he resurrected. Big difference from a cross with Jesus still there. From a dead Jesus or resurrected Jesus, big difference. But going back, Jesus has done it all for us. God has done it all for us. If with this ministry announcements that I'm, I'm, I'm asking every Sunday for the past three weeks, and they say, if you could do this, if you could do that, you're already thinking, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. You know, you ask, is God asking you to do it? If God is asking you to do it, then he will supply everything for you. Amen? When God called me to be a pastor, that was my thinking. I don't know if I can do this, Lord. Well, wait, no, I don't know. I know I can't do this. Why me, Lord? And then God said, but I will be with you. But I will be with you. So he said, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch, in his shepherd bag, and with his sling, his hand approached the Philistine. Again, we all know that David beat Goliath, a well-trained warrior. A warrior that none of the Israelite army wanted to fight on his own, just as he was. Nothing about military. They didn't say, let me pray about this, which we're all good at. Right? Hey, there's a need for this. So let me pray about that, Pastor Joe. Good. Pray about it. Ask God. But then when you tell me again, I'm still praying about it, <laughs> right? Especially if you know God has called you. The people that are called by God and are willing, they jump right away. You know that? Abraham was told, Abraham, I need you to go tomorrow, sacrifice the son. What did, was, what did the Bible say? Early the next morning, Abraham got up, they left. There's no procrastination. 
But the Christians, now we're good in procrastinating. Right? Everything else is more important throughout the week. God takes the last part. I don't know, let me do all this first, and then maybe I can do something for God. Maybe I can do something for Him. If I have time. Right? Busy. Hey, you want to go? I'm busy. I got chores to do. I got a backyard to, I have weeds to pull. <laughs> if you see in my backyard, I got weeds to pull. Everything else is more important. But the, the, the thing is, believer, if you're sitting there and you still haven't answered and responded to God's call to you, and you're still going to tell me, God, that you're going to be praying about it, now you're, you've crossed the line of lying. Do we agree? And you just made sure, you just made the point that God takes the second in your life. Let's just be honest, okay? You just said to God, Lord, you're going to take this. I'll take care of you later. The, th- the scary thing is, once we get sick, once God gives us trouble, uh, the home, or at work, or he takes our, our work away, Guess what we have? We now we have a lot of time for God. Right? Now you're going to join the prayer meeting. Now you're there. And we're going to say, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And now you're going to present your problem. Right? Now your problem was the one that was taking you away from God. And the answer is plain and simple. That took you away from him, so he took it away. Amen? Because God is a jealous God. That's one thing that we're forgetting. We're just saying God is love. But God is a jealous God too. And his jealousy is a holy jealousy. You think he didn't love you enough for you to spend your time with him after he gave his son for you? After he paid for your sins? You think he'll be okay like, oh yeah, just travel now. Oh yeah, just get rich now and take care of me later, Joe. Serve me later. Mamayana. <laughs> later. But see, David knew God called him. He had confidence in God. And that's all he needed. That's why the, there's a big difference between self-confidence and God-confidence. And here we see Paul speaking about, we are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you. Paul is basically saying, I have full authority over you, Corinthian church. I do. And you need to listen to me, not to those false prophets that have infiltrated the church. You have to recognize who God has given you to lead you spiritually. Number one, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that would lead all of us to the truth. Amen? And then God will give you the discerning spirit who that teacher is, who that leader is for you, who that church body is for you, who that pastor is for you. And once you recognize that, they have authority over you. Now, if you don't think I should be your authority, then you should find a church. If you're a part of this church, then you should find a church that you will respect the pastor and you will fully submit to his authority. I'm saying that with all my love coming out right now. I'm not... I'm not Hurt, okay? I'm not hurt. 
Am I offended? Sometimes, maybe when it comes, becomes so offensive. I've had, a, you know, the, you know even before one, you've, for, for, for most of you who know the story here, even before a day, I've lost 40 people. <laughs> I mean, they're not for me to lose, but, you know, the church lost it. <laughs> because they didn't want to submit to my authority as a pastor. It's the same thing. You find that church that you will submit to that pastor because you trust that God has chosen him for you. Nothing more, nothing less. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's making it clear. I have authority over you as if we had never visited you. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. Basically, Paul is saying, we're the ones who shared the gospel to you. We're the ones who brought you to Christ. We're the ones that traveled all from where we came from to you. He basically cares and loves them. He's basically saying, my love for the lost, which was you guys before, is still there. Why are you forgetting now that it is me that God has chosen for you to help you mature in this faith? Why are you believing these great speakers with great credentials as you see them? Right? That's what Paul is saying here. Many of us, because, again, we fall into the appearances. We fall into the appearances, the credentials. Like, ah, oh, man, guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Good, go to somebody who think, you, you think knows what he's talking about. Because the main concern here is, again, I could lose members tonight, I guess. <laughs> but again, find the church that you think God is speaking to you through that pastor. Amen? Find a church that you will get plugged in, that you will be mature in the faith, that you can be used for His kingdom. For we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ, nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Paul knew that there's a need for the gospel. Amen? That's why he lived his life that way. He lived his life sharing the gospel. Day in and day out, churches plant churches there, plant churches here, praying for churches there, writing a letter here. Well, even while he was in prison, he was writing a letter. He was trying to minister to believers. That's how he lived his life. Because he knew, he knew God chose him for that work. He wasn't taking confidence in himself. He knew he wasn't a great speaker, but he didn't care. He didn't care. He was just obeying in God because his confidence was in God. Now, if you are confident in the Lord, that should follow with action. That should follow in action. If you're here sitting and I make a good point that you agree when you say amen, then you need to say with that amen is you're going to work with that amen. You're going to move with that amen. You're going to obey God with that amen. Not just so I can feel good. Oh, I got three people say amen. No. It's, if you are confident in God, it always follows in action. Amen? It always follows in action. Let's see. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. His confidence was in God, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. 
This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those here will know that this is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give all you into our hands. You know, church, we're forgetting how powerful our God is. When you're facing the Goliath of your, of your life, whatever it is, it could be a struggle with sin. It could be a challenge that's just been hindering you to move forward with God. You're seeing that more, and you're forgetting how powerful God is. I'm moved in reading the faith of David here. A shepherd, the lowest of the low in their society, the lowest in their family. You know, when they were, if you know the story, he was even neglected by his father to be in the lineup for the choosing of a king. His father even disqualified him. His own father disqualified. There's no way David will be king. Let's just bring out the big boys here. Come here. Huh? Eliab, get in there. You too. Maybe you're big enough. Maybe you're tall enough. David, forget him. But David's faith in God. Do you see this? He's facing a well-trained soldier. Well, everybody else cowered. Well, he's moving forward. How about us? Are we saying God is good, God is powerful, but then when we're challenged, we oh, never mind. Too scary. Too big of a challenge. Forgetting. Look at David's faith here. With five stones and a sling? If, if that were me, I couldn't carry Saul's thing. I'd be like, oh, yeah, maybe this is a bad idea. I can't even carry a sword. Much more fight that dude. Have you seen him? <laughs> I'll, probably, I'll probably change my mind. For some of us, we've changed our minds many times. We believe that God has called us to a ministry. We believe that God has called us to come into a relationship with him. But a challenge comes and we say, nope, never mind. Ugh. Christian life is impossible. Mm, never mind. I'll go back to my horoscope. Mm. <laughs> Reading the devotion is so hard. God speaks to me and he says there that he's convicting me of my sin. I'm like, yeah, never mind. I'll go back. Oh, I'm Libra. What does it say today? It's all good feeling, right? Or are you going to win the lottery today? <laughs> and then you don't win. You're like, oh, it must be a different Libra. <laughs> right? But David's faith in God is why I want us to see this. Confidence in the Lord takes, may, will make us move will make us move. If you are confident in God, you move. Amen? Amen. You move in action. You move in faith. You don't see it. When the Ark, was, when the, when the ark of the Covenant was going was gonna to pass the Jordan River, right? when it was, it was going to be passed, the water was still there. And, Jesus, and God said, move. You're, told Joshua, you bring it there, across the guys that were carrying it, they saw the water. And they're still moving. And the water was still there. The water was still there. But until they set foot, that's when the water parted. God tells you the vision first before he gives you the provision. God will give you the calling first even before you think you could do it. Because if you think you could do it, then it's you. If it's not God-sized task, then it's you. But if it's a God-sized task, you know that's God calling you. Part the water. 
Last time Joshua saw it was Moses. Before Moses, Moses didn't see anybody do that. But us, we're given the privilege to see the work that God has done through all the people in the Bible. These are not made-up stories. We agree? These are, not, these are records of pe- real people that lived out the, the faith, that listened to God and didn't listen to God. Big differences, correct? The, disobey, the, the people that disobeyed, something happened to them. The people, but people that obeyed, something happened to them. But it's the same God. We're serving the same God. Do we agree? All right, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Maturity leads to spreading the gospel. 2 Corinthians 10, 16 to 17. He reads here. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working. Then there will be no question of our boasting about work done in someone else's territory. As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast in the Lord. I want us to focus here where Paul has his priorities straight. He's basically pleading to the Corinthian church, wake up. It's time for you to mature so I can get out of there and move on to the next because there's more people that are lost. Amen? That's what he's saying there. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You say amen to that? Amen. Amen. How about you? Are you being called? You're a worker too. The harvest is plentiful. You go to your work. How many believers do you have at your work? Maybe for some of you, it's just you. And you know what? It's just going to be you until you share the gospel. And don't pray that I would work there. (laughs) I have enough work to do, okay? Don't pray like, oh, Lord, I hope you bring Pastor Joe here. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I guess I'll go if you're there, okay? I'll go if you're there. But you need to learn to share on your own. See, priority, maturity leads to spreading the gospel. If you're mature in the faith, you would want to share the gospel. There's a separation in that. There's a separation. Again, I can't believe what I I read here. There's a separation. 35% of the church, believers in this country, believes that we don't need to share our faith. 35%. That's staggering. No wonder. No wonder the church is dying. Because if you have a good gift, you have the cure for cancer, and you're not going to give it to someone else? That's criminal. Do you agree? Actually, it is going to be a criminal charge against you. If you have the means to heal or to help someone and you don't do it, you could be facing criminal charges. Same thing with spiritual. You're not going to face criminal charges. But the purpose to mature in the faith so that you will spread the gospel, the purpose, him pleading, Paul pleading to the church at Corinth is like, come on, wake up, grow, so I can move and do it somewhere else. Question is, do you trust God? We're going to have many questions now from this point. Do you trust God? Now, if you trust God, 
You have to obey God. If you trust Him, everything that He said is true, then you, that should lead you to action. Because God never said, all right, I'll save you, and you could just stay there. <laughs> no. God didn't say that. Look at, look, at, look at David. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran to him. Quickly ran to him. There's no walking like he's going to change his mind. There's no, oh, hold on. Let me get my brothers here. Wait, let me get my pastor first. Wait a minute. I changed my mind. He started running back. No, he ran towards the guy. There's no casual moving from David. No gangster walk. He ran. He ran. It was nothing about... He didn't doubt that God was going to give Goliath to him. Well, every, the entire Israel, Israelite, Israelite army didn't do anything for 40 days. Here, he knew God was going to deliver the guy, and he ran. He ran to the challenge. How about us, church? Are you running towards what God has called you to do? Or are you still praying about it? Are you running towards Jesus that has given his entire life, his life for you? He gave his life for you. Are you running to him? Are you still trying to win your salvation on your own by wearing Saul's clothing? And can, you can barely move. Let's run. We go running, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. And Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. What is it that you're facing that is just scaring the life out of you? That to a point that you're doubting if God will take you through it. Our sister Liz is again sick and she's battling it. She's battling cancer. And we're praying. We're praying. We're, 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 always, we're, we're trying to help, right? trying to be a source of encouragement for her. But she's battling something that's, you know, important, her health. But yet she wants to be here, even if she's dizzy, even if she's not, almost physically not able to. She comes because she wants to hear God's word. She wants to be fed. For most of us who are healthy, we drag ourselves here. One foot at a time. Right? Because we're busy. We work too much this week. We work too much overtime this week. Right? I have a trip coming, so I can't spend another day at church. I need to save my days off, Pastor. I have a 40-day vacation coming up to the Philippines, Pastor. I need to save my days. Right? We drag ourselves to church. We drag ourselves to church. We drag ourselves to the ministry that God has called us to do, and we believe that God called us to do it. We drag ourselves to it. We force ourselves. But if it's something else, we're like excited. We jump out of our beds. Oh, I'm going home. Since when, when, who here was late for their flight to go to the Philippines? Raise your hand. No one. Oh my goodness, what a surprise. Filipino time? No Filipino time when it's going home to the Philippines? You don't procrastinate when it's going to home to the Philippines. 
Oh my goodness. But then when it's church time? When it's church time? What time is it? 4.50? Are we going to church? Yeah. And you live 40 minutes away. Right? There's like time and space doesn't work. If we know God is calling us to do something for him, if we believe that it was God who called us to do it, we run towards it. We should be running to church. Of course you're going to say that because you're the pastor. <laughs> I don't get paid anymore if you come here late or not, okay? <laughs> no, it's for us, right? It's for us to show our dedication to God. If we know God called us to be a a part of his body, to learn here, to if we're going to obey his command, to remember to keep holy the Lord's day, we do it. No matter where we are. Amen? We go run quickly to meet him. In regards to living a holy life, are we obeying? If we say we trust God, are we living a holy life? Because it says here, Ephesians 4, 23 to 24, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You accepted Christ as your Lord. You're saved from the consequences of your sins. But then we're told to live a holy life. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation if you don't. Because none of us walk this life perfectly. But we're told to live a holy life. We're told to change our minds, to change our thinking. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I don't know if that's God's will. Well, how will you know if you never really spend time with Him? If you're still just reading certain books that is, that is not the Bible, if you're just spending time with your friends that still leads you to that lifestyle, how will you know? How are you growing? How can you say, I don't know if that's God's will? How will you ever know if it's God's will? Because you're not transforming your mind. You're not feeding yourself. You're not diving in. You're not immersing yourself in the Word. You're not fellowshipping with fellow believers. You're not spending time. How will you know? How are you? If you trust God, are you living a holy life? Do you even believe that you need to live a holy life? If there's another doubt, if you're still doubting, here's another verse. God's will is for you to be holy. We should stop reading. It's pretty long, right? <laughs> so stay away from all sexual sin. Should we elaborate? It says all, not some. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like pagans who do not know God and his ways. The pagans, the unbelievers, the, they don't know this. They don't believe this. They don't hear this. We do. The reason, we, the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. He who hears what God says belongs to God. So if you belong to God, are you hearing this? So this charges to us. It's to us. The pagans do not know God is right. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins. 
as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives. Now, if you're just saying grace only, yes, you're saved by grace only. But we're told to live holy lives. There's a call for it. The Bible says it. God said it. Now, do you trust God? Yes. Now, do you believe that this is God's word? Yes. Now, there. No. No. Yes. Even if it hurts, it's yes. Again, if I go to the doctors and the doctors will say, Joe, you have cancer. I'd rather hear the truth than say, oh, no, you have colds. <laughs> and you just need to come here every week and we'll plug this. This is not chemo. This is just something for your colds. I'd rather know the truth, correct? Same, if you'd rather know the truth with the doctor, here, this is what God is telling us. We need to live holy lives. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God. Rejecting God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. So you're not rejecting me. You're not rejecting me. You're rejecting God. You're rejecting God. And I hope that after tonight, after tonight, if you've been falling in any of these sins, after tonight, it will be better. Not better for us, but better for God. Because this is what His call is. We're almost done, I think. If so, if you believe, you trust God, that He told you to share the gospel, how about the sharing the gospel? In regards to sharing the gospel. Again, I know that some of us here are probably dis disagreeing with me now. That, oh, no, we don't have to share the gospel. We just need to live a holy life. Okay, well, what do I do with this? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What do I do with that, church? What do I do with this command that God has given us, that Jesus told us before he again ascended? If we're supposed to share the gospel, and if you say you trust God, then you should be obeying him, right? It would be faith in action. So we should be sharing. Other than living a holy life, we should be sharing. And again, and this is Paul. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is For I am to go on living in the body, this means fruitful labor for me. Why? Because Paul kept investing. No. Because Paul kept traveling. No. Because Paul bought a lot of real estate. No. Because Paul owned a lot of businesses. No. For him, his life was about sharing the gospel. For him, it was sharing the gospel. It was ministering to the church. He spent all of his 86,400 seconds every day praying, ministering, sharing, and wanting to continue to obey God and spend his life for this. I cannot believe the stats where 35% of churches don't believe that we need to share the gospel. We have the responsibility, believers, to share the gospel. Neither We have the responsibility to live a holy life. We have the responsibility to share the gospel. Again, you probably missed this because I intentionally went through it. It says here in 2 Corinthians 10, 15 and 16, read this. Instead, we hope Paul speaking, that your faith 
will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working. We are being fed by the Holy Spirit. We are being taught by the Holy Spirit. We are learning more about the doctrines of God. We are learning more of God and His nature and His will so that we can pass that along. It's just not to get to be a Christian obese guy. Right? Or a Christian bonsai. We need to just, we, we take this in, we learn from this so that we can share it. Amen? Uh, you, need, you need to be convinced. Because that amen is not, that, that amen is like, it's not, you're not convinced or you're sleeping. Half of you are probably sleeping right now. Gosh, is he gonna, ever going to end? We have a business meeting tonight. Is he, did he forget? Let me just read this before we close. Paul wanted the Corinthian church to grow as he wants us to grow. We want ourselves to grow because we know that's what God wants us to do. We need to be obedient. If we know God is speaking to us now. The response means now, not later. If God is calling you to a relationship now, the response is now. There's no better time because you probably don't, you might not have tomorrow. Who's guaranteed tomorrow here? Raise your hand. No, no one is. If God is calling you to do something, that means now. To respond for Him, to His call is now. To respond to his calling to be saved by his grace means now, not later. What can you say about a fellow whose lust got so lusty that he got a woman pregnant? Tried to blame it on her husband, had her husband killed, and then went on living like nothing ever happened. That's the same David that we read. That's David, when he had that relationship with Bathsheba. That's the same David that tackled Goliath with no fear. Why, why, why did I bring this up? Because sometimes you're full of God and full for God, and then you will fail. But praise God for His grace. Amen? Praise God for His grace. Because there's always, there, He always gives us another chance. And if we failed last week, we have this week. we better for God. Amen? So let's be like David when he faced Goliath. And let's remember David when he fell with Bathsheba. He didn't fear a nine-foot killer, but he fell with a girl. <laughs> let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. We thank you for your truth that you've spoken again, Lord God, through your word. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit in all of us, Lord God, will that continues to convict us, Lord God, if there is anything that is just a, continues to stumble us from following you completely and wholeheartedly, Lord God, I pray that you help us get over that and help us, Lord, remove that in our lives. Father, I pray that if our faith is small, remind us, Lord God, that all we need is a, as small as a mustard seed and we can move mountains because it's not us, Lord God, but it's you. I pray that we remove our conf confidence in ourselves, 
but put it upon you, Father. Let our confidence be upon you and because of you. Lord, help us to be more obedient, God. Remove us from the stagnancy that we are all in sometimes. Father, help us, Lord God. As we enjoy all the blessings that we have, Lord God, our houses, our career, our money in the bank, our children, Lord, I pray, Father, that we never forget you, the blesser. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we have, that we enjoy seeing more than you. And Lord, right now, Lord, I pray, Father, for obedience for all of us. I pray that we will all be driven, just like Abraham, Lord God, when he woke up early the next morning. I pray, Father, that tomorrow, tomorrow, Father, we will move as you have called us to do and as you called us to be. I pray that you will give us wisdom and boldness to share the gospel, even if we don't want to, especially if we don't want to. Father, I pray that we will live a holy life, not stumbling people away from you, but rather bringing people to you. Help us to become a bridge, not a stumbling block. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life. <laughs>